So God, we come before you this morning and we recognize you again as the author and finisher of our faith, the beginning and end of everything. You are the one who created marriage and life. And uh, we just give you praise and glory and honor for who you are and the gift of your son, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we come before you and we submit to you today. And we seek to fall in line with your word, both um, as men and women who entered a marriage covenant for your glory and for your good name. And so we just claim that today in Jesus' name. And uh, we proceed from here. Give us what you want us to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning, um, yes, ladies, this one is for you. And there are a few people that are missing this morning, and maybe purposefully, I'm not sure. Everybody likes when somebody rails on the men, right? We all really like that, because men don't usually talk back. They just go home and hit stuff, right? Um, but, but very uh, few times do we kind of come and really look honestly at um, kind of our individual roles. And so again, I'll preface this uh, segment and today's uh, talk like I did last week. Um, whenever you're picking on an individual person or group of people, um, you're creating a character. All right. So not all of these things apply to everyone. Um, not all of this, some of the generalities that are given, it's not uh, meaning like stereotyping everybody, but it's kind of like, again, when I was a little kid and we went to Knott's Berry Farm, there was this, I know that's old school reference, but Knott's Berry Farm, there's always a person there drawing the characters of you, right? And what do they do? They pick out the most embarrassing things about you and emphasize them, right? So if you're embarrassed about your nose, they'll draw you with a giant nose. If, you know, uh, if, they, if you're embarrassed about your chin, they'll draw you looking like Jay Leno, whatever it is, right? And so with this, uh, last week we kind of characterized and, and did a character of men and God's instruction to men. And this week we're looking at women and God's uh, description and understanding there. And I think this is a unique uh, way that this is happening. Oh, good morning. Good to see you. It's my friends Jacqueline and Noah. They will be getting married shortly at the end of the month. And I get to do the wedding. So I'm very pumped up about it. So anyway, so now that I've embarrassed them... Um, as we go into this and we look at it, we want to make sure that we're understanding um, the roles of men and women. And what, what is interesting about this is this is kind of coinciding right alongside of our women's Bible study that's going on on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings here at our church. And so it's very interesting. Sarah and I have been having a lot of conversations. Lori and I have been having a lot of conversations that just see where God is dovetailing and really creating a, a great momentum for our church. But also the thing that we're finding is a lot of this stuff can be very divisive and there can be a lot of brokenness and pain and issue associated with this conversation because we live in a world and a culture that doesn't necessarily reflect the word of God. And yet uh, when we get into this room, we're talking about the word of God and we can't divorce ourselves of the passion that people have for each other and their roles that they feel they're responsible to fill. So, as you hear this this morning, put it through the filter of a Christian person, someone following the image of Christ, and do what you can to try and figure out how that fits into the layout and the plan that the world is laying out for us, but we cannot rely fully on that. We rely on scripture for our understanding. We rely on the truth of what God says about man and woman, and so we'll go from there this morning. <laughs> The bottom line to this is, while a husband is called to love his wife, 
and to take responsibility as the head of the family. The wife is called primarily to respect her husband. Um, as you look through scripture and as, as we look just in the general world, um, and I want you to know in this chapter, this book, it was completely written by Grace Driscoll. So it's from a woman's perspective, a woman's point of view. So it's not some chauvinist man who's standing there saying all women should serve men and that kind of stuff. And that's not the heart that I come with this morning. So I hope you hear that. But the perspective would, would be that um, a, a woman and her role in the home is that of helper. And we see that in scripture in, the, in Genesis and in, in the account of Genesis. And what that looks like is, um, uh, is to be someone who comes alongside and respects and honors and lifts one up. And that's not a demotion. I'm going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. But that is really a high honor and a high privilege. And that's something to be revered and respected, not to seen below. And as we look at scripture, there's a couple things that we're going to find out. But when we look in the world and in, in general uh, society, we have to understand that women, you are extremely powerful. Not in the terms of like weightlifting powerful, hopefully, <laughs> but well, maybe I don't know for protection's sake, but um, but in the areas of trust and encouragement and hope and courage, no one's opinion matters more to a man than the opinion of his wife. That's that's something you need to know. If you're in a marriage relationship, you must understand that no one's opinion on all of the planet matters more than yours. And so we have to be careful because that's a very, very powerful place to be. And when we're talking about a respectful wife, we're not talking about someone who's always flattering her husband. Um, but we're talking about somebody who carefully weighs her words to help him be more respectable. She wants to be respectful so that he would grow and become more respectable. And that's the hope. Um, there are a lot of, of diversions with this, or there's a lot of different balances with this. And, and some women and some wives that, that I've seen and then are brought up in this book as well, uh, it's like, hey, I, I can't respect him because not, he's not respectable. And so we have this tension between men being a respectable man and a woman being a respectful wife. And in the scripture, what we see and in relationship, what we see is when marriage is at its best, we're both bringing up the level of the other. So a respectful wife should encourage and, and actually draw a man's heart to be more respectable. And that's the hope. And that's God's ultimate plan. As we go, we continue to raise the level and raise the bar. Some of uh, wives uh, want their husbands to be more respectable. And so they do things like nag and disrespect. And you'll never get the results that you're hoping for. Instead, God calls us to pray for him. Don't just nag him. And cause the people around your husband to respect him more. By your actions and your words. Ephesians 5.33 says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Very clear on that issue. And so the big question would be, ladies, do you uh, respect your husband? Or do you find yourself where you respect other men? You respect and esteem them and say, I wish you were more like 
so-and-so. I wish my husband was more like this or like that. And what we do is when we look at somebody else as the better image for us and try to measure our husbands up against someone else, what that is called is coveting. We begin to covet other people and other relationships and other personalities. I wish my husband was more in that place and in that vein. And that just may not be the gig yet, but this is your mate. Remember, I spoke to the men and said, your wife is your standard. Because of a lot of things in our culture, we've diverted our standards and given other things to be the standard. And, and God wants to call us back into alignment. And for ladies, we have to understand that that comes in the form of respect. Respect, as noted in, in the book that we're following, is to notice, to regard, to honor, to refer, to defer, to encourage, to love and admire. I'm going to say that one more time. To notice. That's a big deal. When you notice your husband. You may not think it's a big deal to him, but it's, it's a big deal. To regard, honor. Prefer, defer, encourage, love, and admire your spouse. Do you respect your husband? So there's a couple places we're going to go through. The first one is the uh, having a head of respect. In this, in this chapter of our book that we're following, um, it, it's mentioned uh, that a woman must have a head of respect. And that would be, how do you think about your husband? Do you think of him in a way that's hopeful, hopeful or hopeless? Do you think of him in a way that's respectful or disrespectful? Well, some of, uh, some of the responses would be, well, well, I never say it out loud, right? I, I have a lot of thoughts and I have a lot of things. And man, I really wish you would be like this, but, but I never say it out loud. But the truth is that the Bible uh, points it out to us. And in culture, we can see it that you may not say it, but everything you do screams it. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's expressive in nature or even thinks that they're holding some information tight and yet you can totally tell what they're thinking, right? Like yesterday, I'm a coach for my girl's little softball team and I'm watching a dad pace around all angrily behind the dugout. Do you think I didn't know what he was thinking? Do you think I didn't know he thinks his daughter's an all-star? Which she's not. But uh, uh, do you think I couldn't tell? No. The truth of it is we let it out in other ways. And ladies, especially our ladies, our sweet, emotion-driven ladies in a lot of hands. You let it out in other ways. The slamming doors or the lack of, well, you can take care of that, right? Are you, are you going to do that? Well, do I do everything? Right? <laughs> like, there's comments. There's ways that it comes out. Romans 12 says something very important to us. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the beginning of truly being a woman after God's own heart is the renewing of your mind. And in a culture that says women should not respect, and in, in a culture of men who are actually hard to respect in some places and in some ways, the renewing of our minds is putting ourselves back in alignment under God and the authority that he's provided for us. And it's really an issue of repentance more than anything else. Remember, I said at the very beginning, the first week we met together, uh, it's not necessarily that people fall out of love. It's that they're falling out of repentance. 
It's not when you ask forgiveness. It's like, how often are you going to ask for forgiveness? It's living in a state of, of seeking forgiveness and being forgiving. That's what marriage really is all about. And repentance starts in the mind. And, and here's uh, how do you think about your husband? Well, I've never said it. Well, th- that's that's kind of a hard place to be because as you go, you begin to let it out in specific ways. And 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 do you think in your mind, have you ever had those wandering thoughts where you're like, seriously, you know, what do you how does this work? And you begin to elevate yourself above your husband in certain places and instances. And we're all guilty of that. Men as well. Where we do something, and, and in a lot of areas in our culture, we see that with the way that um, sometimes finances are handled. We see that um, with the way that there's a, a dispersion of, of, of chores and duties and those kind of things around the house. We see it when people do tasks. And, and I'm a, as guilty as anybody on it. Uh, there are a lot of things. We become judgmental. When we are judgmental, that means we're placing ourselves in a place of authority. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 this is something about thinking in general. It says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, think, meditate, make an effort to keep these things on the front of your mind. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you want peace in your home, it says Gross. It says, think on these things. That was spit, by the way. Okay, it's early in the morning. I'm sorry, yes, I got the back row. Uh, But that is a very, very important place for us. We usually think of it in in consideration of our mood or our attitude. Like, I want to think on things that are nice and pure and holy. But the truth of it is, is God is speaking to us in all avenues and areas of our lives. So ladies, here's a really practical deal, deal. If you want to have a head of respect... Here's one thing that you can do, and it's super easy and yet super important as well. Keep a journal. I know it sounds weird, but keep a journal. If you find it hard in your mind to compliment and build up and lift up your spouse, one of the things is to just keep a journal on the side. Nothing big, nothing deep. You can download like this journaling app on your iPhone. It's really great. I love it. You can just keep it on a sheet of paper. You can just keep some things going. But whenever you are cruising through the day and you just have that moment where you're like, God, thank you for this about my husband, write it down. Whatever things are good and pure and noble and uplifting and encouraging, begin to write some of those things down. Thank you, Lord, for the way that I'm seeing my husband. Because when we start to do that and focus and concentrate, and the reason I say a journal is because if you have something to go to, if you have a place, then you can continue to be drawn back toward that. You can keep it separate. Keep it an individual thing. It may be a little tiny steno book or whatever it is, but keep a place where you can just kind of be thankful. And in those moments when you're just ticked, and frustrated, pull out that little book and go, I remember, okay, this is the thing I liked about him two days ago. I can dwell on that because right now I am on fire, right? One of the things that um, Cindy has done in our house that I really like is uh, she's got this thing and it's just, I love you because. 
And sometimes it's kind of funny because she'll write down some kind of ridiculous things, but it does my heart good. Right? Like, it does my heart good to cruise in and it kind of sits on our counter in, in, in our island in our kitchen or on the side. And, and I'm always checking it, whether she knows it or not, she knows. But I'm always just looking to see if she wrote anything, right? Because sometimes I need that. But there was one day, she didn't say a word about it. She didn't do anything. And, and she was like, she wrote like something silly I was doing with the kids. Like, you know, I, we were all talking around the house with like a Chinese accent, right? And, and I'm really poor at it and I would sound like a racist, but I'm not. I love it. But it just for our kids, we were all just kind of being little actors walking around our house, right? And and when I came by the kitchen later that day, it was like, I love you because you're willing to talk to our kids in this little Chinese accent, right? Well, for us, I don't remember the exact wording, it was much more eloquent than that, but, but the idea was, man, she noticed. Oh, that's kind of cool. If you want to have a head of respect, we've got to begin to change the way we think. And sometimes we have to write it down. I always tell people, you fake it till you make it, right? Sometimes, sometimes you got to write it down and you got to be really intentional. Well, I would never say that normally, but you got to be intentional to do it in order to make it happen and allow it to become real in your heart and your life and your spirit. Dwell on these things. Think on these things. In Old Testament, he would say, bind the scriptures to your body and your heart and your life. And they would literally wear the scriptures as phylacteries around on their heads and their, their arms and their, their clothing. Because you have to constantly surround yourself and make that head of respect match up with what you know you're supposed to be doing. The second is a heart of respect. A heart of respect. How do you feel about your husband? How do you feel about your husband? And you know that you feel about your husband by what you say. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is there disrespect in your head? And if there is, it'll reside on your heart. And eventually it'll come out of your mouth. Here's one thing that's uh, pretty big, um, kind of in our culture. We like to have prayer groups, right? A couple of, of different ones that I've talked to, a couple of guys have been damaged severely by their spouses and their prayer groups. Well, we're just sharing how we can pray for one another. We're just sharing how we can. But the truth of what it is, is we begin sometimes in the vulnerability of prayer to expose parts of our mate and parts of our marriage that aren't meant to be exposed at certain times. We have to remember that even though it's a prayer group and even though it's a Bible study kind of a thing and even though we're getting together to encourage one another, we have to pro protect our mate above everything else. So this would be my question. Are you somebody when it comes to that time that you will filter down? Not being fake, not being phony, phony, phony but being filtering, being careful, being cautious for the benefit of your mate. Are you saying things in prayer group or, or sharing things with girlfriends and, and different ones that you, would, you haven't shared with your spouse yet openly? That you haven't worked through clearly with them? Our heart of respect will either block us from breaking that covenant relationship by the words we say or... Our heart of disrespect will open the doors and invite people into our marriage that don't belong there. 
And we know it. When we've let something out that we shouldn't have necessarily, that doesn't paint our partner in the best light, they view our partner now that way. They don't have all the other time of benefit and joy and excitement and enthusiasm. They just have this picture of them. Well, my husband's not a very spiritual person. He doesn't do this or this or this or this. And what we end up doing is disrespecting. And the question would be, are you the kind of wife that will stop a friend from doing that about their spouse? That's a big one. Last night on our hitch date night, we were talking about the kind of friends that we have. The kind of friends that we welcome into our marriage. And it's like, you want the kind of friends that one, will hear you and share with you, but two, will protect your marriage. People who will say, whoa, 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 time out. I think you've gone a little far. Like, I don't need to know all that. Or do we have the kind of people that tell me more because I really want to feel better about myself? Because we do that, right? Like, oh, I kind of like hearing that because, man, my husband's not the worst, (laughs) right? And what we do is we do it innocently, but in little ways we begin to cut. I think of the imagery of David and Saul. And there was a place where Saul had no idea that David was in the cave where he was doing his business. And and David walked up and he cut the hem of Saul's robe. And Saul had no idea. No idea. And David was grieved in his heart. And he knew what he had done. And Saul is out with his men. And David comes to a place on a mountain. And he says, Saul, I'm sorry. I've done wrong against you. In that act, he could have been killed at any given moment. And it's a great story to read. But what David does is he says, I cut your robe. I cut the robe of God's anointed. And I have sinned against you and I've sinned against God. Having a heart of respect also requires at some points for us to make repentance for the places where we've cut another's robe. They don't even know it. I've undercut you. I've... I've compromised your authority. I've compromised your good name in certain ways. And, and that's not a place I should have done or a thing I should have done. And, and when we repent for those things and we make way for those things, then the spirit of God can be present there. David knew in that instance that God would not honor him for the work and the thing that he had done. And he had to find a place of repentance. So what does that look like? Um, wives, I just have a couple questions. Are you quarrelsome? Do you make a fight or an argument about anything and everything? Because some of us go, well, he doesn't even want to talk to me. Well, part of the reason he doesn't want to talk to you is because you disagree all the time. Like you just want to fight about it. You just, well, I don't think that's true. Well, I'm not so sure about that. There is a time just to go, oh, wow, and take it. Not everything, especially with men. If you hear your man talking to you, he's not necessarily needing you to agree or disagree. He needs you to hear him every once in a while and just let it be. And it's okay. Just the same as our wives need that from their husbands. So the question would be, are you quarrelsome? Not causing your husband to question whether he should bring it up. Two, are you loud? There are a lot of women, even, yes, even in our culture, who are very loud and have learned that that is their place of authority. And they can assert authority over their husband if they will be louder than them. We have guys that they do hard work all day long, kind of by themselves. 
And they come home to a wife who will overrule them by the way, the volume, and the passion that she displays in the, in the conversation. And a lot of us like, have figured that out, that that's a place of power and a place to work in. The other one, are you emotionally ma- manipulative? When your spouse brings up something about, you know, remember last week I said, men, it's your job to tend the garden. If there is folly or error in your relationship, it is your job to address that and point it out. And emotional manipulation comes in to the place where you say, well, you really hurt my feelings. And then you start to cry and do all this stuff. And guys are like, what the crud happened? And what you do is you can turn it on real quick and freak us out and we run away. The question would be, is that a tool that you use? And all of these things are characterized and caricatures of different ones and different ways. But sometimes it's quarreling. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's emotionally manipulative. Sometimes it's flirtatious and threatening, nagging, bringing out the emotion. I will tell you, one of the most dangerous things, and and I'll bring it up in a minute, is to be a flirtatious wife. When you're a man, you need to know that your wife is your wife and you don't see her flirting with other people. And that's not okay. Some people consider that a characteristic that's funny. It is not funny to know that your spouse is flirting with somebody else. Well, it's no, it's harmless. I know nothing's going to happen. We know nothing's going to happen out of it. But the bottom line is it's not very respectful. And again, that is one that lives in our community. It's tough. So hands of respect would be the third one. We've got head of respect, heart of respect, hands of respect. What do you do for your husband? How do you serve him? Um, for you to know, ladies, like we love that you love us, but even more than to know that you love us is that you respect us. Because we've seen ladies who love really stupid guys before. Like love is not the highest priority for guys. Guys want to know that they're respected, that they're thought well of. At our jobs, we want to be respected. I don't mind if you correct me. I don't mind that you bring me into correction or something goes wrong. Uh, I'm responsible for it. But do you respect me? It's when we lose respect in those areas of our life, when we realize that we're respected, that we most often will pull away. That's a big thing. And when you begin to use hands of respect, showing you, doing for certain things, uh, uh, that's when we begin to see that we're loved. Genesis 2.18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Every man knows we need help. Right? You guys know that. Like, even, it's funny. Okay, I, I watch a lot of TV. I'll just admit it. I really like watching TV. And every once in a while, a lot of times, I watch TV shows that are probably are unacceptable to most people. But um, uh, one of those, I, I think it's funny to watch these shows where you have like these really effeminate designer dudes doing stuff, right? Or you watch, you know, you click on a different channels and you're like, wow, here's the funny thing to me. Even like, and I'll just say it out and they'll probably get me if somebody listens to it online or whatever. But um, even like the gayest of the gay guys has a really good girlfriend. 
right? Like, it's kind of funny. Even the most effeminate of dudes needs a lady near them because they kind of, we need ladies. That's the way that we're built. Like, there's something about it that we need that companionship and we need that relationship. But a man doesn't need you to condemn him because Satan is already doing that every day. I think if we were to take a poll, guys, how many of us feel bad about, you don't raise your hands, but how many of you already feel bad about yourself? Yeah, we got plenty of that going on, right? He doesn't need you to criticize him because his enemies are already doing that. We take enough pot shots from the rest of the world. We don't need that additionally. He needs encouragement. Some men are literally dying for that. And it shows up. And can be helped by a wife who comes alongside and says, I'm here to help. I want you to become more like Jesus. And I want to serve you to become that. I want to help raise the level and raise the bar. How can I serve you and put you into a good place? Into a good understanding of life. It's not a demotion for the woman to be called the helper. And here's a couple biblical instances. If you look at the word of God, it says that God is our ever-present help in time of need. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come as our helper. The Bible says helping is God and godliness. It's the image of God reflected in the woman in the relationship and the gospel representation of the scripture. To be a helper is not a demotion. The man is called to be responsible and the woman is called to be respectful. And each of those plays an equal role in the marriage union. Proverbs 31, you guys know this, the Proverbs 31 woman, um, which I will uh, bring you back to the fact that it never names her. So chances are she never really exists. I don't know. I don't know if she really exists or if it's like Superman. We all want to be like him, but there's just something. There's always one thing, you know, I've got the x-ray vision down, but I can't. Okay, so... um, But it says that the Proverbs 31 woman works with willing hands. She wants to have hands of respect. She wants to do the things that matter. And so here's a couple of things. Hands that pray. Ladies, pray for your husbands. Pray for your husbands. I've mentioned to you my role as a dad and a a husband. I have really taken it upon myself to pray over my family a lot more recently and to literally lay hands on Sydney at different times. It doesn't happen all the time, but at different times and just pray over her. And she said, man, you don't know what that means. But the truth of it is I can recount so many times when Cindy saw that I was down or frustrated or upset or whatever, and she would just hug me and lay her head on my shoulder and pray over me. Y'all don't know what that does. There's two things that that brings up. One is that my wife is a woman after God's heart and will seek God above all else. And two, my wife has put me in a place where she seeks God on my behalf. And it takes the stress level down. That's what a helper looks like. To come alongside and lift up and hold up. You remember the story of Moses when he's holding up the staff over the people as they battled. And it took two men on each side to hold his hands up for the duration of the battle. It took two men to stand there and say, we will not let you down. We will be your support. We will be your backup. We will be your strength when you lose strength. That's what it looks like in a marriage relationship when we pray. Hands of prayer. Hands that touch. Y'all know, like, guys go from zero to 60 in, like, zero seconds, right? 
at least while we're young. So um, here's a, you'll get that later. There's medicine for that now. But um, so, here's the idea though. It is important to be touched. It is important to have that hand holding, to have that little neck rub now and again. Now, if your husband really doesn't enjoy how you do it, maybe you got to go through some understanding. There's been a couple points and I'll just bear us. Cindy will start rubbing. I'm like, oh, don't, oh, don't. It's okay. I'll just get a ball and roll around on the floor or something, right? It's all good. You know, my skin's getting all raw, you know, and whatever. And there's points too where I've tried to be nice and she's like, no, just... Can I pay somebody to do this? I'm like, yes. Have a good night. Good to know you. I'll see you tomorrow, right? And and there are moments, though, where there's nothing more uh, exhilarating for a guy than for his wife to just love on him. There are moments where Cindy kind of knows that I'm kind of in a funk or whatever. And as we're watching TV of an evening or something, I'm laying on the couch. She'll just kind of come in and snuggle up. Oh. Not in like a horny, sexy way, okay? But just in the knowing that I'm near, like we're close. Hands that touch. How about hands that feed? Now, I like to cook, okay? But the best thing for me is to know that my wife is thinking of me and food and preparing things. Now, if she says, you're going to be grilling four nights this week, I'm totally, mostly okay with that most of the time. But I love to know that there is a plan. And we've had this conversation before. I know you don't like to cook it all the time, but plan for it. Help me. Help me. And if I know that there's something waiting or there's a plan in mind, it does a big deal for me. Hands that feed, hands that prepare And ladies, some of you are in a totally different place and that's not the way you work or that's not the deal, whatever. You got to work it out in your marriage. But preparing the way for your family is a big deal. Hands that hunt and fish are mentioned in the book. But in our community, it's kind of one of those things. If your husband likes to hunt or fish or do something like that, ask to pick up a gun. Ask, how does that work? What are we doing? You know, some husbands are like, please, no, that's my territory. It's okay. But be willing It's not something that you begrudge. And hands that open the Bible. Making an effort to be an image bearer of Christ and his word for yourself and for your spouse is a huge deal. That's what our hands should be about. Hands that pray, hands that touch, hands that feed, hands that get involved with our husband's lives and and activities, hands that open the Bible. And there's a difference here between principles and methods. And some of you are saying, well, I'm doing a pretty good job. Or there's some of you that are, oh, man, we got a lot to work on. Well, here's the deal. These are basic principles. Don't look to a book or a person or, well, how exactly should I do this? Well, every so-and-so, you know, Cindy and I try to do our calendaring at certain times or our budgeting at certain times. And my family would say, you should budget, you know, once a month. This is what it should look like. And, and I look at it and I'm like, that's not the way that we roll. That's not how our life and our existence works. Be careful that you don't take the principles and try to make it a method and put it, you know, this is how it looks and this is how every spouse should do it. Principles and methods are two different things. And so the last thing that I want to get to are a little bit here and, and we'll close up is there are two white ways that we can be disrespectful. One is to be totally silent and compliant. And I know that sounds weird, but Most of the time, when you find a spouse who is totally silent and totally compliant, they're afraid of something. 
And I need that to be heard. Uh, Spouses, we are not to fear one another. Sometimes we misinterpret the scripture where it says, wives, submit your husbands. And it says it in Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3, Ephesians 5, and 1 Corinthians 7. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And we think that means wives, shut up and do whatever your husband says. That's not the way that it works. And that's the way that the world would interpret it for us. But the truth of it is, the more you're quiet, the more that you're silent, and the more that you're ultimately compliant, the more disrespectful you are to both God as your creator and your spouse. Because as husbands, we need somebody who's vocal in our life, who will be a part of the process, who will lift us up. You don't have to be fully quiet. You can be vocal and still be submissive. First Peter 3, 6, whoa, 3, 6, thank you, Lord, um, says, do not give way to fear. The number one command that you see being given in the Bible is fear not. It says, dear wife, fear not, but do what is right and say what is right. That's a, that's a big deal. So then the second way that we can find ourselves uh, being disrespectful, uh, disrespectful is to be loud and contentious. Sometimes, and, and this is the one we see here, we ask, why won't the men take over? Well, because you're so loud and angry, we can't or we won't. We've got men who are holding back from leadership in our church because they don't want to step into the hornet's nest. Honestly, well, if you know everything about everything, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? And that's the blatant disrespect that we find at certain times. Well, you already know how to run the show. You already got it figured out. You already have an answer for everything. Well, I'll tell you how it's supposed to go. (laughs) Those are the kind of things that are disrespectful and cause brokenness. The Proverbs 27, 15 says, um, a continual dripping on a rainy day. And a quarrelsome wife are alike. And I think that's, I mean, we don't get a lot of rain, but you know what that is? It's like that ticking, that nagging, that uh, blinking light that won't go off. A quarrelsome wife. So how do you disagree disrespectful or respectfully? One, the first way is a husband and wife lovingly and patiently keep working for a unified decision. And because it goes all the way back to Genesis, God wants you and I to be one, so we're going to figure this out. That's like the perfect ah, Disney version, right? More often than not, though, and sometimes we find where the couple cannot agree at all. So the second way to respectfully disagree is to bring an open third party into the conversation, allowing them to speak in your life. Someone who has no stake in it. Don't go find your mom and bring them into it. It's not going to work. Don't go find your sister or your brother and bring them into it because it's not going to work. They have too much at stake in this. They already have a, a piece of it. The third way would be to finally, if you cannot come to an impasse, if you can come to an agreement, is to allow the husband who must take responsibility to choose and allow him to take responsibility for the action And the choice, not like, fine, do it your way. And when it's over, I'm going to laugh at you as you go, right? That's not what we want to do. But you say, fine, if that's what you believe we should do, I'll go with you. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, which you know it won't, if it doesn't work out, he will take responsibility for it. 
Because that's what men are supposed to do. We're supposed to be responsible. And finally, I mentioned last week in kind of a funny, I listened to it back and it was, I I rather enjoyed it. But this week, he's the referee. So the woman is to be the referee to whether a man is loving or not. And the man is to be the referee whether his wife is being respectful or not. And ladies, if your husband says, that's not, I'm feeling very disrespected right now. Then he's being disrespected right now. And he gets to be the referee on that. And you can do whatever you want with the stripy jersey. But the idea behind that is the ladies get to make the call when it comes to whether the man is being loving and caring and cherishing. And the men get to make the call on whether there is respect in their home. And that is a good place to be. So that's a whole bucket of whatnot right there. And I'm sure it brings up all kinds of other things. But the big thing of today is the man is to take responsibility and the woman is to be respectful. And at the end of the day, God joins their union together as an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we walk in accordance with his will, giving glory to the almighty God. So let's pray. So God, we come before you and we thank you for this day, for all that you've shown us in your word and in conversation. And we pray that you would bind up and protect our marriages as we move ahead from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.